The French have a term for getting everything ready. It's what happens in those moments before you actually cook. The term is called mise en place. Uh, that is everything in its place. Uh, everything is already set out. You just don't walk into the kitchen and start cooking. Everything has to be prepared. All of the ingredients of the recipe have to be identified and prepared. So if it calls for chopped onions, then you chop the onions. If it calls for a tablespoon of olive oil, then you get the tablespoon of olive oil. You uh, mix the sauces. You grind all of the other spices so that everything is set out and everything is ready so that when the chef walks up, the only thing the chef has to do is grab the ingredients to make the dish. Actually, in some dishes, it takes more time to get ready to cook than it actually does to cook. Everything has to be in place before you get started. Scholars have long since noted that in the birth of Jesus, it was a perfect time for him to be born. There was the thing called Pax Romana, that is the peace of Rome. The Roman Empire was mature and established, and there were no major wars going on in the area. We had a transportation system where people could easily go from one end of the empire to the other. The Apostle Paul actually does this. And if you look on the maps on the back of your Bible, you can see all the places where Paul was able to take the gospel because of the transportation system of the Roman Empire. Uh, the Middle East was fairly established. Uh, everything was basically calm. There was one common language. Everything was ready for Jesus to be born. But Jesus didn't come because the time was right or everything was ready. Jesus came because everyone was ready. Not because the time was right but because the people were. This is what Luke tells us as he opens the conversation about Jesus's public ministry in chapter three. Stand with me in honor of God's word. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee. His brother Philip was a tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachionis, and Licinius was the tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priest, the time of the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the, all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the, book, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight and the rough will become smooth. Everyone will see the salvation of God. The crooked will become straight. The rough ways smooth. And everyone will see the salvation of God. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it. Believe it and live. Let's pray together. As your word came to John so long ago, may your word now in this moment come to us that we, in keeping with your promise, will see your salvation. 
And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now John appears. Now, the obvious question is, where had John been? Well, if you go back up to Luke chapter 1, we have uh, the story of John's birth, and we have this little verse. It says, he disappeared into the wilderness until the time of his appearance. John had been in the wilderness. As soon as he got old enough, probably his late teens, he went into the wilderness. Now, if you are a Bible story reader, you'll know that there are lots of stories about the wilderness. Uh, Moses was in the wilderness. Uh, Paul had a wilderness experience. Uh, the children of Israel, of course, went through the wilderness. The wilderness is this place of emptiness, of vastness, where God takes you when he wants your full attention. So for years... The only thing that John did was seek the presence and voice of God. He didn't worry about what he ate. The Bible tells us that he ate whatever was handy. Uh, that included wild locusts. That included honey. Uh, he wore whatever he could find or take. So he dressed in the skins of animals. Now you can imagine a man who had lived in the wilderness, in the forest, for years you can imagine his appearance. You can imagine the, let's just say, dramatic impact that he would have made when he appeared in the area of the Jordan River and began to preach. He had been in the wilderness. And what John found in that wilderness was a hunger for God, a hunger for God that only God could fill. Now, the interesting thing about our time and John's time is he was able to get off the grid. Have you read stories about people who were wanting to get off the grid? About those people who were wanting to disconnect from our wired and connected world about how hard it was to get off of Facebook, about how hard it was to get off of social media, about how hard it was to remove themselves from the digital world that is so surrounds our lives now. But John was able to get off the grid. You know what's interesting about that is, is we live in a world that fights your calling to the wilderness. That does anything it can to distract you from a moment of silence. Find a moment to be quiet. Find a, a moment to be still. And well, somebody would text you. Find a moment just to yourself where you can kind of exhale and get to your own thoughts. And, well, somebody will send you a video. You'll have to watch something on television. You'll have to watch this new film. You don't want to show up the next day to work or to school and be the only one who didn't see the latest, coolest video of a cat on a skateboard. Our world will not leave you alone for a moment. You can't find any silent spaces. Our world is much, much too noisy. And the reason is the world doesn't want to leave your life quiet for a moment where God can get a word in edgewise. The only thing that John wanted 
was the presence of God, which is why he was now so hungry for the appearance of the Messiah. There is one coming after me, he said, who is so more, much more powerful than I am. I am not worthy to tie or untie his shoes. That's the only thing I want. It's the only thing that John preached about. Which brings an interesting question, doesn't it, to what you would want, what you would be looking for this Christmas. You see, there are a lot of stories in the Christmas story about people who only wanted to see God, no matter the cost. There's Simeon, who we learn about in the birth of Jesus, the old prophet, who, who, well, let's just say he bothered God to the point that God relented and said, okay, Simeon, you won't die until you see the promise kept. I will keep this promise to you. You will see the Messiah. And Simeon is there when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple. And he finds the one thing he's been looking for. Mary's much the same way. The only thing she wanted was the arrival of Jesus, the, the coming of God in flesh. Jesus with us. Emmanuel, God with us. It's all, all he wanted. So that's what John says. Get ready. We know he's coming. What's John's message? His message is God is closer than you think. The kingdom is coming sooner than you realize. So what you need to do now is get ready. Prepare yourself. And there's this beautiful poetry quoted from Isaiah about making the path straight. Fill in the valleys, knock down the mountains so that God, when he comes, does not have to do anything but walk on a straight path. But John isn't talking about making a highway through Jerusalem or making a highway through Israel or Judea. John is talking about you as a person, me as a person getting ready. What are those barriers to God walking strongly, smoothly through your life that you need to deal with now? What valleys of despair have you dug that you need to fill in now? What mountains of frustration have you created how many failures have you piled up into a range of mountains that would make it hard for God to move in your life? This is about getting you ready. This is about getting me ready. The Lord is coming. Christ is close. Soon he will be here. And when he does, when he does arrive, there won't be time to get ready. You will have to be ready. So you have this moment, this moment to find a quiet place, to find a still moment, to deal with the valleys that gouge your own life, to deal with the mountains that block the light from getting to you. 
Did the passage that John quoted, did that sound familiar to you? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You know where that comes from? That comes from Isaiah chapter 40. Think. Think. What else is in Isaiah 40? It's that last verse, 31, that all of us know. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. The first part that John quoted, prepare the way of the Lord, is directly related and connected to the part that we know so well. They will rise up on the wings of eagles. They're related. They're connected. I, you want to know how? Okay. <laughs> I've been flying on airplanes for a long time. I was, have been flying long enough uh, to have taken what we call puddle jumpers. Okay, little bitty, little bitty airplanes that were called regional airlines. And they would service small towns out of major hubs. Like you would get on a puddle jumper from, from here to, um, uh, you know, Jackson, Tennessee or Huntsville, Alabama or somewhere where, where it's really not big enough or far enough away for you to have a big airplane. So you'd have a little eight-seater, a little six-seater. And it was one of those things that made you nervous because when you met the pilot, the pilot wouldn't introduce you by his first name. Hi, I'm Buddy and I'll be your pilot. That doesn't inspire confidence. And then, and then they would ask you how much you weighed, how much your bags weighed. Because one, if everybody together weighed too much, then we couldn't go on the trip. If your bags weighed too much, they couldn't go on the trip. How much do you weigh? That was kind of a disconcerting question, especially when you know that, well, nobody tells the truth about their weight. So what happens if we try to take off with a plane full of people who have lied about how much they weigh? Here's the connection. Here's the point. All of us want to rise up like an eagle especially in 2020, when we're dealing with all of this stress and all of these changes and all of these challenges, what we, would, what we would give to be able to rise up on the wings of eagles, to be able to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint. Ah, that is a great promise, isn't it? It's connected to preparing the way of the Lord. You see, some of us are too heavy to fly. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm not talking about how much you weigh. I'm talking about what you're holding on to. You're making a list of things that you want for Christmas. And honestly, for most of us, we don't have any place in our house to put it. We have so much stuff, so many worldly uh, demands, so many uh, details that we have to deal with about our stuff and how much our stuff costs and how much our co it costs to be maintained. Our world, our, our world and our lives is consumed with stuff. And we won't let go. So we won't be able to fly. You see, the thing that John found in the wilderness was a hunger for God that only God 
to satisfy. This Christmas, when you hear the good news that Christ is with us, God is with us, Emmanuel, remember John. Remember his hunger and his message to us that only Jesus can satisfy. There's no need to want anything else for Christmas but Jesus. Let's pray together. Fill in the valleys. Knock down the mountains. Make the highway straight so there's nothing, O oh Lord, that hinders you now, that causes you to hesitate now from quickly coming to us, working in us, working through us to reach our lost and dying world. And we pray this in your name. Amen. There are some moments that are so deep, so rich, that we cannot say them in words. We have to use symbols. <laughs> uh, my wedding band is a symbol. It is a simple circle of gold. If you saw it, it wouldn't mean anything to you. Me? When I see it, it reminds me of a, of a journey of over 40 years now that Jeannie and I have been together. And in that one little band of gold, I can see all the stories that we have together. How in the world do we speak of what it means for Christ to come into our world? How do we remind each other of the significance of this moment? We do it with a symbol, a symbol of the Advent candle. This candle that we're lighting today is the candle symbolizing faith. Faith, the assurance of things hoped for. Because Christ has promised it, we believe it will be so. We've heard the good news that Christ is coming. So we'll light a candle and let him know that we're home. I wish that I had a chance to speak to each of you personally, to get to know you, to hear your story. But COVID won't let us do that right now. So do the next best thing. Text CONNECT to 623-623. Let us know who you are, what's going on. Let us know how we can be a good friend to you right now how we can help you get connected to our church. We'd love that more than anything. If you want to know more about what the meaning of the coming of Jesus is about, text CONNECT 623-623. We'll be in touch with you as soon as we can. God bless you for listening. Thanks for being with us. And I'll see you next week.